0: And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Exodus. The Old Testament book of Exodus and Exodus chapter number 4. The book of Exodus in chapter number 4. We're at the very beginning of our series of the life and ministry of Moses. And as we're examining this man of God, this man that was used of God, we're seeing his early years. We've already witnessed as God had spared him as a baby to use him. We've watched him as he had had great privilege of growing up, that we saw his failure and then his his backside of the desert experience, where God is doing his unconscious preparation to prepare him to be used as an instrument in the hands of God. And now we see at age 80 years old, the time where most people are thinking about retiring, God is calling Moses to do a work. And as he's calling him, he starts off by giving Moses a vision of who God is explaining who God is and we understand the principle that before anything happens it starts with our vision of God that until that is clear until that is uh, revealed we're not going to do anything for the Lord. We have to understand who God is. And when God is in his rightful place, everything else falls into its rightful place. And now as God is having a conversation with Moses, he's already explained to Moses that he has heard the cries of the people of Israel. Two and a half million people crying for deliverance. And God tells Moses, I've heard their prayers and I'm going to use you. And Moses has already stammered and stammered just a little bit. But now he goes into full-fledged objection mode. And he begins to explain to God why God is wrong and why Moses is right. By the way, that's a conversation you can never win. And as we see this, we see that God takes time to answer all of Moses' objections And if you don't mind, let's look together and see this scene in the book of Exodus chapter number 4. If you wouldn't mind, in the book of Exodus chapter 4, notice with me starting at verse number 1. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thy hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and caught it, and became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of ...of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put now thy hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, Put thy hand in thy bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again, and plucked it out of his bosom. And behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. And it came to pass... If they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it came to pass if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, then thou shalt take the water of the river and pour it upon dry land, and the river which thou takest or the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. And Moses said unto the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, neither since I have spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or deaf? Or the seeing or the blind, hath not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? And I know that he can speak well. And he and also behold. He cometh forth to meet thee, and when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him, and put words in his mouth. And I will be with thy mouth, and with his mouth, and will teach you what ye shall do. And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people, and shall be, even he shall be unto thee instead of a mouth, and thou shalt be to him instead of God. And thou shalt take this rod in thy hand, and wherewith thou shalt do signs. And if you have the habit of marking things in your Bible, mark a phrase that we find in the book of Exodus chapter number 4. The book of Exodus chapter number 4, and notice with me in verse 12, where God rebukes Moses and says, I will be with thy mouth. I will be with, my, with thy mouth. And with the Lord's help, we want to see this. I will be with thy mouth as God is answering, maybe subtitle this, Moses' objections, the objections of Moses. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you, Lord, we recognize our frailness. We recognize our pride. We recognize that you have a desire to use us. But it is us that makes ourselves unusable because we don't place ourselves into your hands. Lord, I'm asking that you would speak to every single one of us tonight. And that you would do a great search with your Holy Spirit to clear any objection that we may have for being obedient to your clear commands. Lord, I thank you for who you are. That you are such a great God. You know how to use your instruments. Lord, do something eternal. Without a doubt, most people, if not all people who hear this, need this message. Need the reminder that it's not us, it's you. You're just looking for instruments that are surrendered and submitted. Lord, maybe this would stir someone up today. Stir them to surrender and say, God, whatever you want, I'll do. And that you would lead them to a brand new life of watching you do miracles. Not because of us, but rather in spite of us. Lord, with a message like this, I recognize my own inability. But you said that you made Moses' mouth. And you said that I will be with thy mouth. And that you would tell him what what he should say. I'm calling upon that same promise now. That you be with my mouth. And that you would teach me what I should say. Fill me with your precious spirit now. In Jesus name. Amen. Moses is 80 years old. And he's standing in front of a burning bush. A bush that is on fire. But is not being consumed. It's not deteriorating. It's not disintegrating. It's on fire but not getting any smaller. It's on fire. And as Moses turned aside, and we explained that this morning, that it wasn't in Moses' path, but Moses had to turn to God. And as he responded to God, God responded to him. God is always previous. He made the first move. He put the bush on fire. Moses responded. And as Moses responded, God responded back. That's always how God works. God makes the first move and then expects us to respond to him. Then he responds in kind. And so... So as Moses is standing outside of this burning bush. God is explaining that God wants to use Moses in a special way. And in this we can see this struggle within Moses himself. And so often inside of the word of God. That it takes God longer to get the servant willing to go. Than what it does for God to actually do the work. God has to struggle and we fight. There's something about us. By the way, it's evil and wicked and nasty and it's not pleasant. But we give God all kinds of reasons why we won't obey, why we won't submit, why we won't listen, why we won't let ourselves be usable. There's something about making ourselves available for God. You notice, you know what your greatest ability is? Your greatest ability is your availability. As long as you are available, God can and wants to use you the biggest problem is that we're not available and like moses we list so many excuses and try to give god so many objections and we try to talk god out of using us and when you think about that that is the most forgive the word stupid thing we could ever do to say god i can't be used when god wants to use us we're robbing ourselves of the blessings of God. We're robbing ourselves of reaching people who cannot be reached by anyone else. We're robbing ourselves of seeing great miracles. With man it is impossible. But with God all things are possible. And God wants to use us. And how many miracles have we missed? How many lives have not been changed? How many people who have not been reached? Because we're not available. And we give God excuses why we can't be used. If you don't mind, let's look at these objections that Moses has. And then watch as God wipes them off the map. And you might recognize some of these excuses within yourself. The very first excuse that Moses gives is, they won't believe me. They won't believe me. Notice what Moses says in verse number 1. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. They won't believe me. Now this stems back to Moses' failure. If you remember 40 years previously, Moses was well trained. He had the education. He had the influence, he had the ability, he w- had the wealth, he had everything you could want to succeed. His problem is that he thought he could do it. And out of his own strength, he tried And he failed to serve God. Because he did it within his own strength. And because he failed, the people rejected him. By the way, when it's all flesh, people will reject that. When it's all me, people will reject me. People can understand and sense, when it's me that's driving. When it's me that's trying to convince. Me trying to fight. The problem is me. And so when Moses failed trying to do it himself... The people rejected him. Remember, he had to flee. Not only was Pharaoh after him, the Hebrew people rejected him. The people he was supposed to deliver. And because of that failure, he now has it in his mind that they're always going to respond that way. They're always going to reject me. They're never going to believe me. You know, we may have a similar thing. There's something about the the, uh, Christian life that is a series of developments and you learn... And most of us who have got on fire for the Lord and, and realize that God is real, many times we've tried to speak to people in our own flesh. Many times we've tried to twist people's arm. And then we get frustrated because they don't listen and they reject. And now they don't want to have anything to do with us. And we can mark those failures and live on those failures. And then say, I can't be used, they won't listen they won't believe me. They won't believe that God sent me. This is Moses' objection. He did it in his own strength. The people rejected him. But notice what God says to him. He says in verse number 2. And the Lord said unto him. What is that in thy hand? So Moses is there with his shepherd's crook. And he's been tending the sheep. And you can imagine the sheep in the background. Bleeding. Uh, and and making their noises. Bah. Here's this burning bush, Moses is standing before it and this burning bush, God is speaking through it and said, Moses, I want you to go to Egypt and go let my people go but but I can't they won't believe me, they won't listen to me, they won't think that you sent me, and so God says what's that in your hand? and Moses probably looked like a child teenager this? staff, crook He said a rod and he said cast it on the ground. Okay, so you can imagine this. Now again, we'll we'll play this out. The words here uh, go in order, but sometimes you have to put the imagination with it. Put your place there. Moses, throw it on the ground. Okay, and he throws it on the ground and an amazing thing happens. Verse number 3. And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground. And it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. Like any sensible person, right? I mean, is this staff. Maybe it's about 4 foot long, 5 foot long. And Moses throws it down. And it turns into a 5 foot long serpent. Moses said, forget that. And took off. And ran. Forget that. I'm not touching that thing. Then... Uh, The Lord said unto Moses, put forth thy hand and take it by the tail. What? You'd hear Moses. Moses has an objection later on about, you know, I can't speak. But you can imagine this scene. Uh, 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 I have a hard time speaking. But now I think I have a hard time hearing. You want me to do what? Pick it up by the tail. That's not where you pick up a serpent. That is not where you pick it up. Okay? Now, you can already see here's Moses who's not willing to obey God in the first place and the bible doesn't say this and it doesn't give a thing of time but do you think that it maybe took moses a little bit to get enough courage to kind of think about starting and getting this and reaching out for it and going nope and i mean imagine you if you were there if you were told to go pick up a serpent by the tail uh, some of you might have some objections on that. Some of you might need to have to get some bravery worked up before reaching out and grabbing this thing. It wasn't something where he was doing it willingly. It was something where, okay, God's watching me. I kind of have to do this, but um, okay. So finally he grabs it and it becomes a rod in his tail it stiffens up and becomes back a rod. Can you imagine the sigh of relief that Moses had when he picked it up and it wasn't no longer a serpent? okay, well that was fun God uh, what does this have to do with me not going? Verse number five, and God continues to speak to him, and they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto he thee. So God says, hey, if you do this in front of them, they will be pretty amazed. And they go, okay, that was God. But just in case they don't believe you on that, he says, verse 6, And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put thy hand into thy bosom. So he's wearing a, a cloak over him. And God says, take your hand and put it inside of your jacket. Put it inside of your cloak. Then when you take it out, And he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, his hand was leprous as snow. Now, leprosy is one of the dreaded diseases of the ancient world. It was a disease that would affect your body, and not like um, um, the cartoons and things say where your hands start falling off. But what it does is it does cause your skin to rot. Bacteria begin to eat away at your hand, and it begins to build up little... Uh, bubbles your hand becomes discolored Uh, what happens is that pustular uh, boils begin to pop and then the pus runs out and that gets infected and what happens is it becomes a disease carrier so many things start to mix in with that one disease and when he takes it out his hand is discolored it's full of leprosy and to uh, the ancient world this was a killer this was something to be avoided. And he just put his hand out, and all of a sudden it's leprous. Can you imagine? God didn't say anything else. He said, Put your hand in your in the bosom. Take it out, and it's leprous. You could almost imagine say, God, what are you doing? Uh, this is not what I signed up for. You're trying to convince what's going on here. I mean, you imagine the shock to feel your d- a hand diseased. One minute it's healthy, now it's diseased. He's looking at it and he can't get away from it. What do I do with this? Then notice what Moses said. God tells Moses, verse 7. And he said, put thy hand back in thy bosom again. All right. And he put his hand into his bosom again and plucked it out of his bosom. And behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. Imagine, that was a relief. And God said, if they don't believe the rod turning into a serpent, they will believe this leprosy. That God is a God who could heal it. Back then, leprosy was considered an uncurable disease. And for God to give it instantly and take it away instantly was showing God's power. Notice again, he says, Just in case they don't believe those first two, verse number 8, And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, and that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And if it came to pass, if they will not believe also those these two signs, neither hearken to thy voice, that thou shalt take the water of the river, and pour it upon dry land, and the water which thou takest out of the river, shall become blood upon the dry land, now Moses didn't practice this one, but God says, alright, there's a third option, that if they don't believe those two, if they are happen to be that hard into it, that you go ahead and go to the Nile river, pull it out, pour it out, and it will become blood instantly, you could do that one later, and so, here's the objection, God They won't believe me. And God says, listen here. I am real. I will make sure they believe you. I am real. That's the objection to Moses' thing. They won't believe me. God says, I am real. Aren't you glad for that? You know, when we go out and witness to people, we're usually afraid. Why are you afraid? Most of the time it is because... You are afraid they will reject you. That's what Moses was afraid of. He was not afraid the people will reject God. He is afraid they will reject him. What is his problem? He's not looking at God. He's looking at himself. You know, we talk about pride, and most of the time when we see pride, we see pride as someone who is haughty. Someone who says, look at how amazing I am! Everyone, look! Someone touched me quickly! Look! And we see that as an idea of pride. But you know, just as horrible and wicked and evil of pride is someone who says, I cannot be used of God, I am too awful to this, God cannot use me. You understand that is as evil and wicked and nasty as pride as the first one is. What is pride? It's a false view of yourself. It's not seeing you as God sees you. And if we'd be honest, most of us, maybe just some of us, most of us don't suffer through the pride that you think you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Most of you don't think that. Maybe there's a few. But you know what most people suffer through? God can't use me. I'm too pitiful. I'm too wicked. I'm too useless. Nobody wants to hear me. And we have that idea of pride. And then when we have to confront someone, pride comes up again. And we're not afraid of what they think of God. We're afraid of what they're going to think of us. And God is trying to say, it's not about you. It's about God. Get yourself out of the way and you just point them to God and let God deal with them. God can take care of himself. We're just supposed to get out of the way, point people to the Lord. That's our only job. And that makes it easier because it's not about us. It's about the Lord. And their response to God. Not their response to us. You know what that means? That means that God can use any one of us. You say, but, but I'm, I'm so messed up that my eyes <coughs> go and wiggle this way. And then they cross so much that when I cry, tears run down my back. That when people look at me, you know, it's not about you. It's about God. God can use... It doesn't matter what the instrument is. It's all about God. Well, I can't smile enough. I just don't look good enough. I just... Whatever else. It doesn't matter. Get you out of the way. It's all about God. Notice as we go to the second objection. The first objection is... Is that, Lord, they won't believe me. They won't believe me. God says, listen... I'll take care of that. I am real. I can show them that I am real. Get you out of the way. The second objection that Moses has is not only they won't believe me, but I can't speak. I can't speak. Notice as Moses gives this objection in verse number 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent. Now just because he uses that word that kind of disproves that. I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. But I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Now, Moses says, I can't do what God told me to do because I can't speak. You need someone who could speak. I can't speak. Now, this is a poor excuse. And it only works with the idea of that if God can't see all of Moses' past. If you look at Moses for the last 40 years that he was a shepherd in the backside of the desert, uncivilized, untrained, well, sure, he might maybe have that excuse, but he was trained for 40 years to be a prince of Egypt. He went to the best schools. Let me remind you that at this place in the ancient world, most people could not read or write. And here's Moses who can do both. And it's going to be proven because who was the human penman of the first five books of the Bible? Moses. God had specifically trained Moses to be the penman. And to prepare him to do all of this stuff by the 40 years of training beforehand. Moses didn't realize what was going on. Who was it that God set this up? Who was it that God had prepared and put specifically in the best schools of the world at the time? Moses. God prepared Moses, and so Moses is speaking to God as if God couldn't see all of his past. But God, I'm just a poor shepherd. I'm just out here out in country, and I can't speak to folks. God's—you can just imagine God. Aren't you glad that God is patient? Now God's patience is coming to an end, but God's—you can almost see God. Saying, listen, I'm the one who trained you. I prepared you. I know what you can do. In fact, notice what God does tell him in verse 11. And the Lord said to him, who made man's mouth? Or maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Hath not I the Lord? We have to be reminded, who's the God who made us anyways? Do you know that God knows all of your skills all of your assets all of your abilities and may i also say he knows all of your potential someone says god going to ask me to do something i can't do no he's not going to ask you something you can't do but he may ask you to do something you don't know that you can do god knows everything about you He knows what issues you have. He knows what abilities you have. And may I remind you once again that the greatest ability you have is your availability. God says, I made you. I know what I'm asking of you. I know everything about you. I know more about you than you know about you. I know what I designed you for. I made you for this. I made you to go speak to Pharaoh. That was what you were purposed to do. Don't tell me that you can't speak. I know what... I created you. You know how ridiculous it is to talk to the guy who uh, invented the MRI machine. We know what an MRI machine is. It's a <coughs> it is a an electromagnetic um, imaging machine. Um, Machine that's allowed to see the inside of your body and it can do cross sections and can see all kinds of things inside of you. If you go to the creator of the MRI machine and say, Why are you using that? Don't you understand this machine is made to make art? Why are you putting human bodies in it? How can you convince the guy who created the MIR machine that this is made for an art project instead of medical use? Doesn't the guy who made it know what it was created for? Absolutely. God says, I made you. I know what you can do. Don't tell me you can't do something when I say you can. Here's an objection. And again, Moses is trying to squirm out of this. It is nothing but filthy, stinking, rotten, horrible pride to be able to stand up before God and tell God that he is wrong and that he doesn't know what he's doing. And God says, I made you. I know what you're capable of. Just make yourself available. Notice what he says. Now therefore go. And I will be with thy mouth. He says just stop making excuses and do what I told you to do. Just obey. Again this is where we have a problem. We get so self-centered that we disobey God. God just said go. And we're telling him why we can't. He says, I will be with thy mouth. And I will teach thee what to say. Listen, Moses, I'll make it easy. I will tell you what to say. I will make your mouth move. I will fill your lips with words. I'm the one who will control it. Just do what I tell you to do. Moses, stop fighting me on this. Stop wrestling with me. I just want a willing vessel. Do what I told you to do. So here's Moses standing before God. Imagine this. Here is God standing before him. This isn't an imaginary voice. This isn't some invisible being. God is standing before him in this burning bush. The presence of God is there. And yet he has the audacity to tell God in his presence. I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. Just like humans. You understand, this word of God is just as equivalent if God was standing right before us and giving us instructions. And yet, how many times, me included, how many times has God's word spoken to us and we look at him and say, no. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't want to do it. I don't care what the Bible says. It's not something I feel like I can do. And we give God objections, and it's just as if God was standing right before us and we told him, No. By the way, one day when we stand before God and give an account, We'll, get, we'll be given account by how well we obeyed this Bible because it's just as if God was speaking to us face to face every time this Bible is open. And when we disobey, when we just, re, just don't make a decision to obey, it's just as if we're staring at God right in the face and saying, no, I won't. That's how dangerous it is. You know, Moses does not realize how much danger he's really in. This third objection gives us a hint. The third objection is, you'd be better off by sending someone else. The first objection, they won't believe me. Second objection, I can't speak. Third objection, you'll be better off to send someone else. Can you imagine what pride, arrogancy, haughtiness to tell God that he made a mistake? God, you're better off sending someone else to tell God that he was wrong. Notice, if you don't mind, in verse number 13. And he, Moses, said, Oh, my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. Verse number 13, this is what he's saying. Send someone else. You'll be better off to send someone else. Man, I'm glad you're going to be with whoever you're sending to be with their mouth. That's great. You go send that person. I'll be praying for them. Telling God he made a mistake. Telling God he'd be better off to send someone else. God doesn't want to send someone else. He wants to send you. You. is the one he wants. Notice, if you don't mind, in verse 14, a scary. Again, Moses doesn't realize how much danger he's in. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. You know, God is not a static God. He's not a God without emotions. Do you know that we can cause him to get angry with us? How? By telling God that he's wrong and saying, God, I'm not going to go. And giving him excuses why we won't obey. God is able to use every single one of us. Someone said this. God is so desperate. He's willing to use anyone including you. Your greatest ability is your availability. Just go. Do what you're told. God will use you. But when we tell him God you can't use me. God, I don't want to go. God, send someone else. You know that aggravates God. God has emotions. He's getting aggravated. He's getting angry. And he's not happy. I made you. Why are you fighting me on this? If you just surrender, stop wrestling, just do what I told you to do, amazing things will happen. How many blessings have we missed out on because we refuse to obey? How many miracles have we missed out on because we tell God, no. When God wants to use us and use us to see amazing things happen, just let God be God. Trust Him. Get your eyes off you. Just recognize God wants to use you. Believe that. God wants to use you. Imagine now that you're the only person in this room and the preacher's just pointing his bony finger at you. God wants to use you, not someone else in the room. You. What are you going to tell God? Your greatest ability is your availability. Notice, if you don't mind, in verse 14 And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know he can speak well. There goes that objection. I know he can speak. Also behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. Now, what Moses does not know is that at the same time as that he's speaking to uh, <coughs> Moses, or God is speaking to Moses, God is also sending Aaron. And Aaron is making the trek from Egypt to where Moses is at. God's already sending him. And he says, I know he could speak well. Just go with him. What's really hilarious about this is that when Moses and Aaron stand before Pharaoh, it's Moses that does all the talking. And Aaron's just standing right beside him. He just needed that Dumbo's feather just to keep going on. But, you know, it would have been a lot better if he stopped fighting God and allowed that God had everything well in hand. That God knew what he was doing. And just surrender to something he was going to surrender to anyways. Just bypass the hardship. Bypass the aggravation. Bypass the frustration. Why, God, why? And just surrender. And let God do what God does. The impossible. Verse number 15. And thou shalt speak unto him, and put words in his mouth, and I will be with thy mouth, and with his mouth, and will teach you what to say. Moses, just do what I told you to do. Fine, just take your brother. Go out. I'll work with both of you. Just go. Verse 16. And he, Aaron, shall be thy spokesman unto the people, and he shall be, even he shall be unto thee, instead of a mouth, and thou shalt be unto him, instead of a God. Here he's saying, Take this, just go out, I will use you, you'll be as a picture of God, that God speaks unto a servant, and his servant gives the message out. He's giving this picture, this illustration. But then notice this in verse 17. And thou shalt take the rod in thy hand, wherewith thou shalt do signs. Don't forget the rod, don't forget the rod. And this is where we want to get it. God is putting an emphasis on the rod. Moses has a rod in his hand. Was there anything magical about that rod? Did some wizard come and enchant it? Did he find it in some lost tomb? No, it's just a shepherd's crook. What made this rod so important? What's that in thy hand? All it is is an instrument in the hands of someone who knows what they're doing. Do you know what Moses was meant to be? An instrument in the hands of someone who knew what they were doing. When we finally surrender the idea that it's not us, it's God. We're just the instrument that God wants to use. You know, sometimes people say, Why can't God write the gospel in the clouds? He could. Why doesn't God just have the rocks sing it out? He could. But you know what God wants to use? Human instrumentality. He wants to use human instruments. And the only... that makes that rod powerful is in whose hands it's in. What makes the instrument of God so powerful? God's hands that are using it. Not the instrument. It is the hands, the power behind it. When you realize you're just nothing but an instrument and God does all the work, that lifts off the pressure. I could just let God do what he wants to do my only job is to be available if you don't mind may i take you to a different passage look with me in the book of isaiah and i want to be a help to you the book of isaiah what's that in your hand moses said or god said to moses a rod an instrument in the hands of a mighty god notice if you don't mind in isaiah chapter 49 Isaiah 49, this has been a passage that's been such a help to me over the years. Your greatest ability is your availability. I want you to see what God is trying to do with the instruments in his hand. Notice with me in Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49. Listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken, ye people from afar. The Lord hath called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother, hath he made mention of my name. And verse number one of chapter 49, God had a plan for you. He knew everything about you before you were born. By the way, he said the same thing to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter one. Before you were born, I knew everything about you. Before you were born, I had a purpose for you. Verse number two, and he, that's God, made my mouth like a sharp short. God told Moses, I will be with your mouth. He says, He had made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver he hid me. He says, In the shadow of, shadow of his hand. God makes you in secret and he's working on you. But notice this phrase, a polished shaft. What is a polished shaft? Well, amazingly enough, there was a missionary who told this story out of Africa. In Africa, they have one of the crookedest sticks in all the world. It's not a single straight thing. But they have to use it to make their arrows. So what they do, the tribesmen do, is they take the sticks from the crookedest tree in the world. And what they do is they take a knife and they begin to cut off the knobs and cut off the corners of it. And they begin to cut on it. Then what they do is they take that stick and they put it into a fire. And they begin to let it burn. And right when it starts to catch on fire, they take it out and they take a white uh, wet rag and they begin to rub on it. And an amazing thing happens, that stick begins to straighten up. So they take a knife and begin to cut some more knobs and some more of the things off. And then they put it in the fire. And right when it's about ready to catch on fire, they take it out, take a wet rag and they rub on it. And it begins to straighten up. And they have this process here until it is finally a straight shaft. And they put the fletching on and make it an arrow. And they put it in a quiver. But every once in a while the missionary would explain that the tribesmen would take a stick and they would again cut the knobs off of it. And then they would put it in the fire. And right when it was about ready to be consumed, they would take it out. Then they would take a wet rag and they'd begin to rub on it. But as they rubbed on it, they began to chant over it. Ooh, 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 ah, ah, ah. Ooh, 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 ah, ah, ah. And they would do this whole process until this stick is straightened up. But then when they were done and they would put the fletching, they would put this arrow in a special compartment in the quiver. Well, the missionary asked about it and said... "Uh, We noticed that in the process of making arrows, there were a few arrows that you would chant over. What's the difference? And the tribesmen words, not the missionaries, the tribesmen said, this is my polished shaft. He said, for these arrows, the regular arrows, they're playthings. We chase after rabbit, arrow go left or right, no big deal, rabbit, get away. He says, but leopard chase after me, lion chase after me. I pick arrow, must not go left or right, must hit the target, must hit where I want. This is my polished shaft. You know what God does with us? God takes us crooked sticks, horribly unusable, and he begins to cut on us. And he begins to cut some things away out of our life. And it hurts when he cuts. And he begins to work on it. Then, what he does is he puts us in the fire, and right when we think we're going to be consumed, and God, I can't handle it anymore. He takes us out, and he rubs on us, and we straighten up. And he cuts some more stuff off of us, takes some things out of our life, get some crooked things, some lumps out of the way, then he puts us back in the fire, and right when we think we're going to be consumed and we can't handle anymore. He pulls us back out and he rubs on us and we straighten up. Now, here the prophet is saying, he made me a polished shaft. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. He says, I'm an instrument, a weapon in the hand of God. That's what I want. And God makes me in secret. And he says, the thing I want is I want the polished shaft. I don't want to be a plaything. I don't want to be an arrow that just can be wasted. And if it doesn't hit, no big deal. I want to be used in the life and death matters. I want to be used when it counts. I want to be used to be dependent upon when it matters the most. I want God to be able to trust me as an instrument. How does this happen? Well as long as you are surrendered in God's hands and allow Him to do the cutting and allow Him to put you in the fire, He will make you a polished shaft. But whenever you start fighting against Him and resisting and telling Him no, God will try to work with you. But there will be a time where God says, fine, if you don't want to be used, and break it. And say, fine, I'll use something else that's usable, that's surrendered, that will allow me to be used. You understand dear friend. God wants to use us as an instrument. And our greatest ability is our availability. Why is it that God can use some instruments in an amazing way. It's not because of the instrument. It's because the instrument has allowed themselves to be surrendered to God. And allowed God to do his work to make them a polished shaft. We don't make ourselves a polished shaft. God makes us a polished shaft. And it's always in secret. It's always in a time where people can't see what's happening to you. They don't see how God is working. They don't see God working on the knobs. Sometimes people will look at a preacher and say, He must have grew up in a Christian home. He must have always... No. You know what God did? Is He had to cut some things off. And it hurt. And put me in the fire. And right when I said, I can't tech anymore. Lord, please, I need help. He pulls me out and rubs on me. Strains it up. Now I'm nowhere near a finished product. But what you see. Is the process of cutting. The process of being put in the fire. The process of God rubbing and straightening me out. Because I was a crooked stick. And God can use you too. But it is your choice. You can say forget it God. I don't want to be used. I don't care what you say. And God said fine. And he will go find A stick that is willing to be used by God. Let me tell you. Are you willing to be used of God? Do you want to matter in God's hands? Do you want to be an instrument that God can use. And say this is something that matters. I want to use you. Your greatest ability is your availability. We're not talking about how straight of a stick you are. You could be as crooked as the day is long. It's are you surrendered? Do you want God to use you? Are you willing for God to use you? Just make yourself available. Now let me give you some hope. You say I may have got to the place where God broke me. Am I over with? No. But you know what God can do? Is he could take that broken part of the stick. And he could go through that process. And instead of being used for a bow. He could use you for a crossbow. You may not be as usable as in all areas as you once could have been. But if you still surrender yourself, he could still use you as an instrument to get some things done. You understand? God wants to use you. Your greatest ability is your availability. Because it's not the instrument that matters as much as this person holding the instrument. What I'm asking you tonight, are are you willing to go to God and say, God, I'm available. God, I want you to use me. You say, I may not know all that you want me to do, but I know that you won't ask me to do something I can't do. But I want to matter. I want to be used. Is there something inside of you that says, God, use me? Let me tell you that God wants to use every single one of you. But he won't make you. You could make the objections. You could tell God and try to talk God out of it. God said fine. But as long as you're surrendered. God wants to use you. And he will make you a polished shaft. An instrument used in the hands of God. What is that in thy hand? An instrument used.